Chapter 5 of Basil, or Honesty in Industry. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Robert Harder. Basil, or Honesty in Industry, by C. G. O'Brien. Chapter 5 A Blessed Change. Little Annie's visit to West Bay was made, through God's blessing, the means of doing good to others besides herself. Mrs. Green's sister, who had so kindly taken charge of the lame child for a month, was a truly pious woman, and was married to a very respectable man, who was also a sincere Christian. Mrs. Morris, for that was her name, had not seen her sister before for many years. She had a large family of her own to look after, and seldom left her home. Happening, however, to hear of Annie's lameness, she wrote, with her husband's consent, to her sister, saying she should be happy to take care of the little girl for a month and give her the advantage of sea-bathing. So Annie had been sent to West Bay under the charge of the carrier, and Mrs. Green had not seen her sister until she went to fetch her child home, and to thank the Morrises for all their kindness to her. She found there a very different home to the one she had left. It was not that Morris earned much more than Jacob did, but whereas the latter spent at least half his gains at the public-house, Frank Morris, on the contrary, never entered one. His cottage was a pattern of neatness and order, his garden was the admiration of the neighborhood, and he frequently gained prizes for his fruit and vegetables at the cottagers' show, which took place annually at West Bay. Frank and his wife had seven children, whilst the Greens had only five, but there could not possibly be a greater contrast than there was in the appearance of the two families. The young Morrises were always neatly and comfortably dressed, and were taught to take care of their clothes. Mrs. Morris herself was a pattern of neatness in her dress, never having anything approaching to finery, but always looking tidy and respectable. Five out of the seven children went to school, the two elder only to an evening one, as they were already beginning to earn something toward their support. They were both boys. One assisted his father, who was a journeyman carpenter, and the other worked for a miller in the town. The third child was a girl, and was quite her mother's right hand. People used to say, "'You are a lucky woman, Mrs. Morris, to have such a girl as your Lucy.' But whenever Frank heard such remarks, he always said, "'It's her mother who has made her what she is.'" Their cottage was neatly furnished, everything very plain and very good, and to poor little Annie, who had been used to her dreary home, it seemed like going into a palace. Her aunt was surprised to see how poorly the child was dressed, and soon discovered the way in which she had been accustomed to live. The child was very teachable, and very soon got into her cousin's tidy ways, and Mrs. Morris made her a set of neat clothes out of some of her own children's things. She was most anxious her sister should come and fetch Annie home, in order that she might have a little conversation with her about her family. She wrote, therefore, begging her to come, if only for one night, and that was how Mrs. Green came to go to West Bay. There was, if possible, a greater contrast between the appearance of the sisters themselves than between their children. Mrs. Morris, although several years older than Mrs. Green, looked five or six years younger, and had such a sunny, happy expression of countenance that it did one good to look at her. We have before described poor Mrs. Green's careworn and untidy appearance. Well, said Annie's mother, as she sat by the fire, enjoying a good cup of tea on the evening of her arrival at West Bay. 
I'm sure I cannot think how you have contrived to get all these comforts about you, Mary. Why, we've hardly got a stick at home that's worth anything. And as to buying clothes for the children, she added, as she looked at her nephew's comfortable pinafores and good boots, why, it's more than I can do to find food for them, much less clothe them. But there's one thing, said she sadly, and that is, I suppose, Frank is a steady man. I only wish Jacob was. Frank not only never enters a public house, said Mrs. Morris, but we have both joined the Temperance Society. It is now more than three years since either of us took a drop of beer. We are both better in health since we left it off, and we reckon we have saved nearly twenty pounds. And it was setting such a bad example to the young ones. Of course, as they grow up, they want to do what their parents do, and Frank said he should never have forgiven himself if he had led the way to his son's frequenting the alehouse. "'You're very fortunate in having such a husband. That's all I can say,' said Mrs. Green. "'But don't you think it may be partly your own fault that Jacob is unsteady?' suggested her sister. "'It is unreasonable to expect a man to be sober and keep to his home if that home is not made comfortable for him. I have frequently felt very tired, after a hard day's washing, for instance, and more inclined to lie down and rest myself than to tidy up the place.' But then I have thought that many and many a man has been driven to the public house by not having a clean hearth and a cheerful fire to sit by when he comes home tired. So I have bestirred myself and got all straight and comfortable for him, and I have had my reward, continued she, for a better and a kinder husband never lived. I may have been in the wrong, Mary, said her sister honestly, and I believe now I have been, for when I was first married I was very giddy and fond of visiting about amongst the neighbors, and it was then that Jacob took to drinking so. "'Yes, dear,' said Mrs. Morris kindly, and then, instead of making a great effort and praying to God to help you to reclaim your husband, you let bad go on to worse, and then everything went wrong. Why, I remember when you were one of the smartest, healthiest-looking girls in the place, Jane, and now—' "'I know it all,' said Mrs. Green, with tears in her eyes. I know and see now the difference there is between us, Mary, and if I had my life to go over again, I might perhaps do better. As it is, my sister, it is never too late to mend, said Mary Morris, in an encouraging tone. Begin at once when you go home. Try and keep yourself neat and clean. However poor one's clothes are, they can be kept mended and clean, and as my good mistress used to say to me before I was married, Always let your husband see you neat and tidy, Mary. It is a poor compliment to a man to let him see that you take no trouble about your appearance. There is a wide difference between being fond of dress and being anxious to appear neat and respectable. When Frank and his two sons came home from work, they all three went upstairs and washed their hands and faces before they sat down to tea. And when the meal was finished, those children who had lessons to prepare did so, whilst the little ones sat on their father's knee. The two sisters had a long talk over old times, and Mrs. Morris took every opportunity of giving her friendly advice, whilst Frank occasionally put in a word of encouragement. "'I don't know what I might have been, Mrs. Green, had not God given me so good a helpmate. Most truly does the Bible say, her value is far above rubies.' The family retired to rest very early, but previous to doing so, Frank read a chapter out of his mother's great family Bible and then offered up a simple prayer. The little ones had each said a short prayer before going to bed. "'Does Jacob read to you in the evening?' asked Mary of her sister, as she was showing her into her neat bedroom. 
No, no, said Mrs. Green, with tears in her eyes, but it has been as much my fault as his. If we neglect to ask for God's blessing, how can we expect to prosper? said Mrs. Morris gravely. Oh, my dear sister, be warned in time. Think that it is not only your own and your husband's souls which are in peril, but those young souls entrusted to you by God. How can your children do well when you do not train them in the fear of God? Mrs. Green promised to do her best to mend matters, and to endeavor to win her husband back from his unsteady ways, and before leaving West Bay in the morning, which she had to do very early, as it was a long journey to her home, her sister gave her one of her good cotton dresses, which, as the sisters were nearly of a size, would be sure to fit her, and also a nice warm shawl. We have already said that little Annie was likewise neatly dressed by her kind aunt. Mrs. Morris saw her sister off by the carrier, and Frank put into her hands at parting the basket with the homemade bread and fresh eggs which we have already mentioned. Mrs. Green's house had never appeared so wretched to her as it did when coming direct from her sister's comfortable cottage. She availed herself of Basil's broom to sweep up the kitchen, and when her husband came in from his digging the place certainly did look somewhat tidier than usual. Jacob was also in a much better humor than usual. He gave his wife five shillings, and Basil was dispatched to the shop in the village to purchase a small bit of bacon and a few necessaries. The little ones were in bed, and Basil gone to the shop, and the husband and wife sat alone by there, for once, clean hearth. "'Annie seems much better, wife,' said Jacob. "'I'm sure we have reason to be much obliged to your sister and her husband.' "'She is very much better, and the doctor at West Bay, to whom Mary took her, said that he thought she might in time get well.' that she must have nourishing food. We must get her some milk regularly from the farm. I should like to do so, Jacob, I'm sure, but I fear we can't afford it. We'll try, wife, we'll try, said her husband kindly. And I will try, with God's blessing, to be a better wife than I have been, sobbed Mrs. Green. I've very much to answer for, Jacob, I know, she continued. I never tried to make your home comfortable for you, as Mary has done for Frank, and what is the consequence? We have both of us to blame, Jane, and we must thank God that we are brought to see it ere it be too late. I might have been very differently circumstanced had I been steadier. I have thought much about it the last few days, and I don't see but what it may be yet time to pull up a bit. It will be God alone who enables me to do it, for when one's drink has got hold of a man, oh, wife, wife, what a lesson couldn't I read to any young man just beginning life. Once give way to hard drink, and you put yourself in the power of an enemy who will never let you go. Never, wife, never. Don't say so, Jacob, don't say so. Mary was saying last night it's never too late to mend. That's what Miss Hamilton was saying to our boy yesterday, wife. We'll let Basil go to school tomorrow, and maybe we'll be able to send him a little on weekdays for a bit. I think the lad would soon be quite a scholar-like, and it's a pity to keep him back when it seems to come so natural to him. Mrs. Green then told her husband all about her little nephews, what good boys they were, and how greatly they helped their parents. And Basil would be like them, wife, if we had taken the same pains with him. I never seemed to feel the harm we were doing him until the other day, when he brought home that bundle of wood. It seemed such a relief to find he had not stolen it. That's just how I felt, said Mrs. Green, and I'm sure God must have put it in my heart to do so, for I never felt so before. I remember an old mistress of mine, 
once used to talk of the finger of providence. I'm sure it has been pointing to us the last few days, Jacob. First there was Basil, being kept from stealing that wood. Then my seeing Mary's home, so different from what ours is. And the Miss Hamilton coming to ask us to let the children to go to school. It seems just as if God was calling us in all manner of ways. And it will be our fault if we don't listen, wife. When Basil came home with his basket full of purchases, he found his father and mother sitting cosily by the fire, and looking happier than he had ever seen them before. They told me down at the shop, father, that Mr. Stewart was going to hire a dozen boys on Monday next to work on his farm, and that I must be early at Woodside if I wished to be one of them. You'll be able to be there as early as any, Basil, said his mother, and thank God you can go with a clear conscience. Yes, mother, and if I can only see my good friend the woodman, he will give me a good word, I know. And you'll go to the Sunday school tomorrow, Basil. Oh, yes, said the boy, as he wished his parents good night, and went to bed with a light and grateful heart. Jacob and his wife sat talking long after the fire had gone out. The spell seemed broken that had so long estranged them from each other, and once having made up their minds through God's grace to endeavor to live new lives, they seemed as if they could never have done talking about it. I think even the little change to West Bay has done you good, wife. You look quite as you used to do tonight. The change is in our hearts, Jacob, and let us bless God for it, said Mrs. Green, as she pressed her husband's hand. End of chapter 5